Follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. Four Corners Podcast. I am Rasslore here to challenge you, but as it turns out, this podcast, I could break its bones, I could smash its body, but I could not break its spirit, so I will spare the earth. Dial in for monkey. Anyway, this is Shad here with Matt and Brad. And it's a, a very fitting uh, introduction considering the subject matter this week. Absolutely. Yeah. That was obviously is voiced by randy savage but that was Rastlore from an episode of dexter's lab featuring dial m for monkey we'll come back to that it'll come up again later but we want to say thank you all for joining us tonight you may have noticed we've got our new social media bumper so we can just get right to the action after i uh, i greet matt and brad greetings salutations yes greetings <laughs> all right we're we're off to the races. One other thing I got to do, got to draw. Well, two things we actually have to do. Uh, first one is uh, we gotta we gotta make our plug. We are an affiliate with Collar and Elbow. If you're ever sitting around and it's time to watch a wrestling show, you know you need to settle in for a little bit. Maybe it's just one mat, one half hour match, or maybe you're looking for a whole show. And you know what? You need the comfy gear for it. That's where Collar and Elbow comes in because it is the wrestling brand. Started by Al Snow so that it would be gear for wrestlers and wrestling fans by wrestlers and wrestling fans. And if you head over to their website, that's CollarXElbow.com, and use this promo code, Four Corners Podcast. That's the number four, capital C and Corners, capital P and Podcast, no spaces. You can get 10% off your order. Matt, favorite Collar and Elbow shirt, go. Uh, I actually like the the recent one they have what was the eagle. The I eagle. forget that. Yeah, it's black and it has like a red coloring. Gosh, let me actually look it, it up. It kind of look, kind of a lucha inspired looking thing, maybe. Uh, no, but they do have some really cool lucha ones. Okay. They have yeah. Brad, favorite color and elbow shirt. The uh, yellow lion one that kind of looks like a New Japan kind of shirt. Shad, That's an favorite. awesome one. Shad, yeah. favorite Collar and Elbow shirt. I'm going to be honest with you. I've got like four of them, and I like them all. <laughs> I've got two of the mirror image ones. I just like the simplicity of the design. Um, but they're great. They're seriously great. So, Shad. Yes. It's uh, High Risk is the specific name of the shirt. And it has High Risk. The, uh, yeah, High Risk for as in High Risk Maneuver. <laughs> all right. And it's got an eagle. It's awesome. It has Collar and Elbow uh, prominently displayed, but it's really like slick. One the uh, the Kings is the one you're talking about, Brad. Sport of Kings. Yeah. It's it's kind of done like the IWGP. Um, that's an awesome one too. My wife has that one, and she's quite fond of it. They are printed on high quality material. Mm -hmm. They're comfy. 
They hold up great. Hit up collar and elbow. Tell them we sent you. <clears throat> Get you discount. Now, like I said, tonight, tonight, as we kind of teased last week, we're doing something a little different. Tonight, tonight we are going to venture off the wrestling path. We're going to venture into different material. We are going to be talking about. Well, I'm going to be honest with you with the release of some recent movies and all that sort of stuff. We kind of decided to take some inspiration ripped from the headlines as Avengers Endgame comes tearing up behind Avatar, banking to be the number one grossing movie, which go, as far as I'm concerned, go Endgame. Um, we're going to be talking about our favorite superheroes tonight. Can we? Can we? Can I make one brief aside? Yeah. Avatar, most overrated movie of all time. I it pretty is. much wrote Avatar yeah. off. I never watched it because it, someone told me about it. They said, you know, and they're going to the place to look for unobtainium. And I said, stop. Did you really just say unobtainium? It, they said, yeah. I said, that's a placeholder phrase that, that they didn't take out of the script because nobody revised it. It's it was a it was it was a cool experience to see in the theaters. Nothing's ever quite done 3D that well, but the movie itself kind of sucks. It came off, I, I think it came kind of in like a weird perfect storm type of scenario where 3D was just kind of getting hot again. Mm-hmm. But now, I mean, they still have 3D, but no one, I don't think, really cares about 3D. You, yeah. don't, hear, you don't hear anyone nowadays saying like, oh my god, you must see this in 3D. It's uh, it's still an option, but it's kind of that's kind of faded. Um, they kind of they kind of burned the goodwill because they kept putting out movies in 3D. I, yes, I just did the air quotations. Yeah, and then they it really didn't take advantage of it, or it was kind of crappy, or like me, like I finally saw one that gave me a headache, and I was just like, I'm not doing this crap anymore. Yeah, I am. Um, I never went to see anything in 3D because I never wanted to pay extra to go see. I never wanted to go see anything in 3D. Why would I? I already wear glasses. Do I want to have to wear other glasses on top of my glasses? And for what purpose, right? I always thought the dumb thing was the 3D TVs. Like, really, it's the, the 3D TVs are the same thing like that virtual reality is to me now. Is like, I do not want to sit on my couch and wear some wear weird glasses. And the same thing with VR is like, I do not want to be tethered into something. Yeah. Like on the couch, right? Now there's some some VR stuff. My friend of my friend has a VR game. He's got like Beat Saber and stuff like that. Those are fun, but I wouldn't want that if it's something I'm just watching. It's like a that's like a novelty you used to do in like an arcade, and it was cool to pay your couple bucks and like experience it for 15 minutes and then move on with your life. Yeah, well, I mean, you you play it for a while and then you pass the headset off. I mean, we'll eventually get to the point where I think the Star Trek Next Generation holodeck will become <laughs> kind of like a real thing. Dude. I am not down with that because it always ends up killing people. Well, that's true. You have to have the safeties on. And do you do you want to be do you want to be that poor operations guy who has to go in there and hose that thing out? Because you know full well what's happening in there. Uh, in just like, to actually. Reginald Barkley, let's be honest. Oh. What happened? Somebody yeah. had to go in there and hose that place out. I was yeah. go- I was thinking it, but I wasn't going to go to that episode. <laughs> yeah. uh, did you actually speak to real VR stuff? Um, there are a few of those interactive games that you could do 
Uh, I know my wife and I actually, with my my sister in law and her fiance, we did a Star Wars one mm-hmm. uh, in in California in Burbank. They actually have it was in the mall. It was like a a VR setup thing, and it only lasts about fifteen twenty minutes. Right. Uh, but it was actually completely immersive and was super cool because you you take the role of basically a clone trooper. Uh, but it's, at one point you start you're fighting like Darth Vader and you're shooting your gun. He's like blocking with his lightsaber, and you actually feel it. Like when you, if you get shot by someone, you felt it. Uh, it's really cool. I think eventually they'll they'll develop that technology enough that they, it'll be affordable for like home use and I don't know something cool for the future. Uh, I think there's some good stuff happening on it, but it's it's not a it's not a good time. For, it's not good for just sitting and watching. But anyway. Yeah. So we were going to talk about superheroes, and here's the thing. Um, well, this won't be a shocker. This is this is a uh, a topic I know is near and dear to my heart, and I know we all have our opinions. So what we're going to do is each of us have our top three picks, and then we've got some honorable mentions and some some supplemental material that's going to go with it. So I'm gonna add, I'm gonna put it to you guys. Do we want to go? Three, two, one to our top pick. Are your picks in any particular order, or what? Uh, how would you guys like? Or do we want to start with our number one? Start strong and taper off from there. Mine are in an order, but like it's pretty. It's a pretty um, small margin between the three, so I'm fine with whatever. Okay. Matt, yeah, what I mean, about I, you? I have an order. Um, I don't care which way we go with it, though. Well then, let's let's build the suspense there. Let's build the uh, okay. the tension, and we'll build to our number one picks. So um, I'm gonna flip a coin here, and let's see what comes up. And uh, Matt, what is your number three favorite superhero? Uh, I think there's actually gonna be some overlap between us, uh, but for my number three superhero, uh, that'd be Tony Stark, aka Iron Man. Iron Man. Can you tell us a little bit about why you just you love Iron Man so much? You know, it's funny because I won't say that the movies haven't like made me have him as one of my top ones. I actually have loved the character since. I don't know if you guys remember this toy line, but way back in like the eighties, the Marvel Superpowers line. Was Do you that remember the, that? Um, was that the um, Secret Wars line? Yes. Yeah. Oh, I. You know what? I'm conflating that with the DC superpowers line, which came out kind of around the same time. But yes, it was, the, it was the Marvel secret wars one. Yes. Do you guys have um, those? I had the I'm one after trying that. Trying to put my finger on it. I had the one after that, that had like the cap with like the, like, I think you could like throw the shield and like silver surfer with like the, the, the surfboard, like you could like wind back and he'd like go forward. Uh, you're thinking of like the early nineties. They did. Yeah. I, I think it was early '90s because they put out some of those, but it might have no. been late '80s. It was it was right before they did an X Men one, and then they went to like the Toy Biz line, and they started to look nicer. Yeah, the uh, the ones I'm thinking of came out like around mid '80s, like 1984. Yeah, uh, those were those are secret. I've seen those before, and I think my friend had some of them. But like, uh, by the time like I was into figures for Marvel, like those were. Hmm? those were kind of expensive even in like the 90s yeah i i got them 
I don't know if my mom got them for me when I was like from the toy store. I got them at a at like a garage sale or something, but I got a bunch of those and Iron Man was like the one that I thought was like the coolest because he was a dude and he had the I forget which version of the suit it was, but it was, you know, the the red and yellow suit and it was so cool. It was like my one of my favorite toys growing up. So I became really into Iron Man. And then once I figured out he was actually a, a comic book character, I started following some of the comic books. Uh, I mean, I was pretty young, so I didn't quite grasp it. Uh, but then in the early 90s, they had the Iron Man uh, animated series. I don't know if you guys remember that one. Yeah, only that's, ran. that's actually how I got into Iron Man, because mm-hmm. on my, my number three is actually Iron Man as well. Okay. So I think we got into our first overlap, but... Uh, that cartoon is actually how I got into that. And then, so then they, Marvel smartly had a comic that wasn't very good at the time called Force Works that had the same, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. the same lineup of Avengers characters that the cartoon had. And then, um, his back issues were surprisingly affordable comparatively to other stuff. So I got in like to his stuff a lot around then. And I really love, and I still do love, his red and silver Centurion armor. That's probably my favorite oh, yeah. Iron Man armor. And I have an old, I have a hero click of the silver Centurion armor somewhere. Mm. Yeah, but my my love, and that's a great series. So if you haven't read like the Armor Wars, where that armor takes over, is someone steals like the plans for his armor, and mm-hmm. he goes off like half cock, being like a dickhead, like just attacking anyone and everyone in like armors like he just like chases like guys like mantis down and like um no wait stingray stingray sorry and like he goes and like messes with like the mandroids and stuff it's it's a really great series yeah yeah uh so the com the animated series i i got into him even more and then about around that time i guess like the mid the mid 90s is when you know, comics were blowing up, and they also they, some of the image creators like Rob Liefeld. Remember, Marvel did the whole uh, Heroes Reborn storyline for like a year or two, uh, and I think I think Jim Lee actually did the Iron Man series, the artwork yeah. for that. Uh, but I got into that because that was like a really big deal in comic books at the in like the mid nineties. Uh, and I don't know. I just I became like a lifelong Iron Man fan. So I didn't like teenage Tony coming back because like no, that was dumb. I'm glad they then, didn't really go too much with that. But what cemented my love of it is so they did that Heroes Reborn thing, but then they did Heroes Return, and we got that sweet like Kurt Busiek run. Yes, that was great. Kurt yeah. Busiek is one of my favorite comic writers. He trust me, this is gonna come back up. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, well, I was he, gonna say, he's great. He, yeah, he's had some. Uh, I don't think he does this much anymore because I think he's had some like real life legit uh, health issues. But he, yeah, yeah, he's a tremendous uh, author, and, creator. And he yeah. was like at that point too. He was doing Avengers. He was doing Thunderbolts. And he was doing Iron Man. Like he was just mm-hmm. knocking it out of the park. But he, I think he just does primarily Astro City now because that's yeah. like kind of his that's, baby. Oh. Yeah, we're going to talk about a semester of city. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to throw this up. First of all, one of my best friends is a huge Iron Man fan, like massive Iron Man fan. And, you know, it's 
I, I'm going to reference this later. When when his movie came out, there was something I said to him that that, that finally eventually ended up be, being not true. But that's all beside the point I was going to make. Sorry. Did either of you guys play the Captain America and the Avengers arcade beat 'em up? Yes. Oh yes, I did. Wow. Iron Man was my go-to guy. I had. From a my brother and I, we went to a uh, department store that was going out of business, and we went in. And from since they were going out, we opted to buy the Super NES version of that. We never got past I think the the Wizard, but Iron Man was my go-to in that game. It was also amusing because in the arcade, the sound quality was better, so it was the Avengers. But on the SNES. The sound quality wasn't as good, so it became the Avengers, and so we played as Iron Man and this one, and you know stuff like that. We thought it was funny, but Iron Man was my go-to guy for that. Um, I, I just, I just enjoyed playing him. So, uh, small tie-in there, small tie-in. That's a uh, you know, hey, we're off to a rocking good start, right? Like you guys already crossed over on the first pick. Yeah, uh, and one, obviously, once the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe started, uh, I, his ex, his popularity, <coughs> excuse me, has exploded from there. Um, and I think for those of us who've seen Endgame, I think most people have, considering it's it's past two billion already. But yeah, uh, it's I they they could not have done better casting than Robert Downey Jr. in that. No. The other thing that's I think I don't think there's any problem making this claim is that MCU basically exists on the back of Iron Man. Yeah, if that first movie had not been as good as it was, and if Robert Downey Jr. had not been as insanely charismatic as he was in that role, then who knows if it would have been the huge success that it yeah. ultimately did wind up being. He he straight up killed it in that movie there's no question and um you know i I gotta give him all the props he set a new standard for superhero movies Mm -hmm. and and that there were there were movies that showed up in the mcu that if they had not been if they'd come out before the mcu would come along everyone would be going that's a good superhero movie but the problem is that he set the bar so high at the start of the mcu that there are some that are in the mcu that you like ah they're okay because they're having to do the orange origin story and they're following what he did in the first iron man movie um so yeah he set a really high bar okay can i uh, can i add one more thing yeah uh, I am proud to say that I have, I think, outside of maybe one issue, I'd have to double check. I have the entire uh, run of the first volume of Iron Man. Wow, which started like in the 1960s. That yeah, uh, wow, that's the prize of my comic book collection is mm-hmm. Iron Man Volume One, Number 55, the first appearance of Thanos. Oh, wow. Yeah, which uh, I'd have to check and see how much that's worth now. I actually received that uh, from my lovely wife as an engagement present. 
Oh, man. Yeah, and uh, she would never tell me how much she actually paid for it. I knew she had to have paid a lot of money uh, because she would not tell me. And she would constantly ask me, what grade do you think this is? <laughs> she wanted to make sure that she <laughs> she at least paid what it was worth. Right. So, uh, it's in. It's actually in fantastic condition. I don't have it graded, but if I had to guess, it's pretty high. Probably near mint. Yeah, that's that's a really cool gift. Oh uh, yeah. So that's that's and excellent. that's that's something I'm gonna like. I almost want to take it to my grave with me because that's, uh, <laughs> that's that's the prize. And it, it was just a, gonna get yeah, just gonna be gift, buried too. away with your your arms mm-hmm. crossed on your chest, holding it right. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm gonna go ahead and do my number three, and you guys, you guys kind of foreshadowed it a little bit. My number three superhero pick is going to be the Samaritan from Astro City. Oh wow! Yes, sir. And you're gonna see kind of a running theme in my top three. I, I guess I can't help myself. I have a, I have a type. So if you're not familiar with the Samaritan, which is, I don't, you know, I don't blame you. It's not as widespread as. Uh, as the others are. Astro City, uh, for me, ranks right up there with City of Heroes as some of my favorite comic book stuff. Um, And both of those are up near the top. The Samaritan came from, I believe, the the comic said the 35th century. And, you know, Earth is falling apart. And so they, they, they ask for a volunteer, and he volunteers, and they give him all this training, and he has to learn how to speak the language and all this kind of stuff and then so they they have one shot so they send him back through time and they tell him you've got to we don't know why but you have to prevent the challenger disaster because that's that's something in the dominoes that this sets the whole thing off and as it turned out the time isn't quite right it like tumbles him through and he gets exposed to some time stuff so he he arrives um, in the 80s with powers that he didn't have. And when he arrives there, um, he can he can fly, he's tough, he's strong. He has he calls it the Empyrean web. He can kind of create this web of electricity stuff. And he, he tumbles out and he sees Challenger going overhead. So he flies up there and uses his web to like hold it together so he can land it. Here's the thing. He was successful in his mission, which means everything he knew in the future is gone. All he has, because that timeline's gone now, right? He prevented it from happening. So all he has is to live in the present day, and he doesn't have any, like, he got a job as a fact checker at a newspaper so that, because basically he can set up his 35th century computers to do it all for him. So he spends all day every day, like, he's got his office door shut and all this kind of stuff. He spends all day every day trying to help as many people as possible. And at night, he just dreams of being able to fly without a care in the world. He counts the seconds he gets to fly in the course of a day because that's, you know, that's the joy he can get out of it. But he feels so obligated to do stuff that he he has to go and try and save as many people as possible all the time. And he, he can't build main, meaningful relationships because he's like, I'm needed all the time and I've got to go all the time. Um, you know, the the just all the pieces of that character come together and i i admire you know the sacrifices he was willing to make i you know i under you know his desire to try and and do as much as he can because he's 
you know, there's so much that's happening that maybe only he can do something about and how much he sacrifices for that and everything. I just, I really enjoy reading his stuff. I like the Samaritan a lot. That was a big, like, filibuster right there in the middle of our podcast. No, I liked it. Uh, that's kind of, uh, I almost would say, unconventional pick because I think not as many people know about Astro City. Uh, they uh, don't. They should, but they don't. They should. Uh, nowadays, I think people just kind of focus on on the, the stuff characters. they saw in the movies. Yeah, but also characters, I guess, from like the the quote unquote big two, like yeah. DC and Marvel. But there is tons of great stuff out there. Um, well, and uh, Astro City is a really great creation by Kurt Busiek. Astro City is written very well. Astro City is written in such a way that it is not a. Um, there's not like a big continuous batch of storylines. Busiek writes a story for this person, and then he goes over here and he writes a story arc for this person. Then he goes over here and writes a story arc for this person. So you can see the world progress, but it changes perspectives so he doesn't burn out on somebody. And then he gets to do really cool stuff. Um, one of Another one of the characters that he did is on my, uh, on my honorable mentions list, so I'll get to him later. But there's a story in it where this guy is having these dreams of this woman he's never met, but he's madly in love with. And it's just them, like, having everyday life together. He wakes up, and there's this character known as the Hanging Man there. The Hanging Man is is, is it's a, uh, basically a black human body that floats around, but it's got a burlap sack on its head and a noose around its neck. So he's this... He's kind of like... The Spectre from DC, but if he was flipped and he was made into, into a protector-type character, except no one exactly knows what he does, because that's a he, he, there's a lot of behind-the-scale or cosmic stuff going on with him. And the, the Hanging Man tells him, that person that you're dreaming of was your wife before someone mess, went and messed with the timeline, and when we fixed the timeline, some people didn't come back. So, I can either... You can either continue as you have been, or I can take the memories away so that you know you can have rest. And the guy sits there for a minute. He says, no, I want you to leave him. And the hanging man goes to leave, and he says, wait, what, is, what do other people do? And the hanging man, you can't, you can't, you never see his face because he's got the burlap sack, but he, gets, he says, I get the impression that the hanging man smiles. He goes, no one chooses to forget and leaves. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh. That was like the space of like one comic issue that story was in, but it was so good. Like that was so cool. That's Astro City type stuff right there. It's oh, it's it's so good. My um probably my favorite uh, character was Jack in the Box. Oh, Jack in the Box is really cool. Yeah, because uh, I felt like there's a lot of parallels with uh, you know kind of like the vig- the different vigilante characters that you've seen in Marvel or DC. Yeah. Um. But they really did, because uh, Jack in the Box was uh, much like, I guess, people like Batman or Daredevil. Well, Daredevil, not quite, because Daredevil kind of has superpowers. But yeah. he was more of just like an actual like vigilante. He didn't have superpowers, per se. Uh, so he it kind of led to this kind of concepts of like mortality and whether yep. he should actually be out there fighting crime when it, it could very well you know, kill him, and it, it, it. They played into issues about how, like, well, how would this affect my family? Because he, well, there's yeah. different versions of Jack in the Box, but yeah. they all like had families where it was, you know, his activities had a real bearing upon other people. 
Yep. Uh, it was actually it's 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 so complex, and that's kind of one of the things that's really cool about Astro City is that because it isn't like a bigger series like Superman or something like that. They can he could really kind of dive into those concepts and mm-hmm. explore those themes. Which and is then not, you don't have to beat him to death because yeah. like, okay, we've done this arc. We're gonna give Jack in the Box a break for a while. Yeah, but it adds a whole lot of complexity and drama. To yeah. It. So that was a that's a really interesting. Like he was really intriguing to me. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. it was it was really good, and I can't yeah. recommend Astro City enough. Like I I literally cannot recommend it enough. Just go go if you haven't read any, go find some and read it, and then you'll buy some and you'll buy some more and you'll buy some more. Just go. Trust me, go. We're gonna have to tag Busiek in this. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, since um, let's see, since since I asked Matt first, Brad, who who is uh, number two on your list? Well, uh, my number two is well, the Flash, but it is a specific Flash. It is Wally West. Okay. Oh, okay. Why Wally specifically? So, um, to me, Barry Allen's a little boring. You don't really get the hero's journey as much with Barry Allen, mm-hmm. but if you if you read the Flash series from post-crisis until Infinite Crisis, so it's about eh, 17 years worth of books, about 250 yeah. issues. So Wally kind of starts it off, you know, he's kind of an immature jerk, not very likable. And you get to just go on this journey with him as he um, finds his place as a hero and how he, like, surpasses Barry Allen you know, settles down and gets married and kind of becomes this mature, responsible, like, well-adjusted adult with a family. Yeah. And it's, it's a very... it. So one of the things, especially now with comics, like, comics now are desperately, like, trying to hold things at, like... Um, trying to hold the status quo at all costs and never progress the story but you know with wally west the story progresses like you you get the hero's journey like you almost get like a complete like story arc with him right the the flashes are are very interesting characters because they they have the capability of doing more with their specific niche than other characters can, you know, the, the speed force and the, the ability and you, uh, the family of speedsters even, uh, gives you a lot of possibility, which I kind of think the flash TV shows handled pretty well. They, um, they've really, they've really dropped the ball on the speedster family. Like since then, because I really miss like Johnny quick and, you know, Max Mercury, and uh, Jay Garrick, like, having them all together. I thought Quick and Mercury lived in the Speed Force now. Uh, Jay, Isn't that... They've had Jay Garrick. Um, yeah, Jay Garrick's been on the Flash TV I show. I don't believe they, I've ever seen Johnny Quick or Max Mercury in the show, though. Do you guys watch the show? I, I watched watch... a couple episodes, and it I there's just something about the way CW approaches their stuff that doesn't, like, resonate with me. So I will. I, I've watched uh, pretty much every episode of the show. I watch uh, it as it comes up on Netflix. The first season was amazing, and uh-huh. I would actually rank the first season up there with uh, some of the best like superhero TV shows I've ever seen. Like the first right. season, I loved. 
Uh, they had Reverse Flash yep. uh, as the the main villain. And it seems like they're trying to trend that he's kind of the main villain of this series overall. Mm-hmm. Uh, the show, I feel since then, it is now in its fifth season. It's It's kind of gotten progressively worse. Um, I, what season- I've noticed with CW mm-hmm. shows is season one is good, and then season two takes all those things you liked about season one and flushes them down the toilet, and you're like, why did I like this show again? My wife doesn't really care for the show anymore, and she used to be, like, a big fan. Uh, I I still like it. I, I Season one was great. Season two is pretty good. Season three was, like, okay. Um, season four, I felt, was bad. Was season uh, four the Savitar? No, that was season three. Okay, uh, season three didn't really grab... Season four was the, the thinker, right? Yes. I got a kick out of season four. I got oh, more I, kick I, out of season four than I did season three. Uh, I, I disagree. I did not like season four. This uh, season has been uh, Cicada, which is well, actually one of the newer Flash villains. Yeah. Um, but they've flipped it. I won't spoil it for people who haven't seen it, but they flipped it. Now it seems like there is they're they're finishing up the season with a different supervillain. Um uh, I've liked this season better. I still think it has problems. It, it It's a show that when it does get dramatic, it can still be pretty good. Mm-hmm. But they... I understand, like, as the season progresses, like, you can't have everything really, like, dour. But right. they do lighthearted stuff. Mm-hmm. And I just don't feel it works as well. Like, they've done a couple episodes that have been, like, musical episodes. And it's they have just been painful to sit it through. Was- the oh, first yeah. one was okay. Uh, the first one was uh, Barry and um, Kara, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was that was that was amusing. Um, I I, it just when, when they start getting like the jokey stuff, it just becomes kind of painful for me. But I, I've enjoyed the Flash pretty consistently. I didn't really enjoy the Savitar season because to me it felt kind of overwrought, but. Um, you know, I, I, I've enjoyed the show so far. Um, I have decided to never, ever, 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 ever watch Arrow. Um, you know, Arrow's, Arrow, Arrow's problem is, um, and I tried, I tried, but my wife pointed out some issues with the show and I agreed with her and stopped watching is, um, Ollie is irredeemable in that show because he is a murderer and, um, his ideology in the show is pretty unforgivable. Now that's which is, that's which from is, season one, right? Yes, but his ideology is I'm going to get back at these rich guys by murdering these poor guys just trying to make a living working for them, like working security and stuff. And um, also, like, I'm going to lie and possibly get my bodyguard fired. And it's just, <laughs> it's just... It's just he he is irredeemable, and I couldn't watch it past like eight episodes. He has oh, a. You've, um, only, you've only seen episodes of the one se- of the first season, right? I haven't. And seen I all. imagine he only got worse. So no, he actually, got better actually. Yeah, the show did, the show got better. I'm not um I'm not up to date on the show. Well, but... okay, here's the the recommendation is, um, don't go past season three, because mm. that that's where this thing pulls the drag shoot. Um, I have, <sighs> okay, I'm going to go, I'm just, screw it. Spoiler ahead. If you haven't seen Arrow, 
they decided at some point that they're when when most of the writers were like, okay, we're going to start doing the Flash, and they're like, okay, we've established Arrow, we're going to go start working on Flash to make Flash good too, right? They pulled in these showrunners who decided to basically just cater to all of the the Tumblr desires and killed certain women and then oh, made is this where they is this where that idiot came on and killed the black canary off so he could be with some awful character no one really gave a shit about Are you, well it it's worth killing canary and and I want you to think about what I'm getting ready to say was not as bad as Felicity Smoke ended up being as a character mm. think about that for a minute like, in the first season, she's kind of a fun character. She's this ancillary who's real good with computers, so they rely on her to help with some stuff. And then she turned into the, uh, like, can-do-no-wrong, we're expected to take her side on everything no matter what she does kind of thing. Like, she's always supposed to be sympathetic. And it's like, are you, you're kidding me, right? And, it, no, that's how bad it got. Because it, it turned from being Arrow to a lot of folks referred to it as Felicity and Friends. Okay. Like, that's the season four was so bad that the Arrow subreddit on Reddit decided to become a Daredevil fan Reddit instead. Like, it was still called R Arrow or R the Arrow or something like that, but the, you go there and it's got, like, Daredevil art everywhere, and there's a there was a sticky that said, we're a Daredevil uh, subreddit now because we can't stand what happened to Arrow. Oh. Well, see, the thing with Arrow, the reason why it started off kind of like hot and really cool, uh, the first, well, the first season, it took it took a while for it to kind of kind of get its rhythm. Yeah. Uh, but it started getting pretty good by the end of the first season. Uh, and, and then it got pretty good, you know, at least for the next couple seasons. It's because before they did Gotham on Fox, it was clear that they wanted to do a Batman show. But they, <laughs> yeah. they, didn't yeah. have, they didn't have the rights to Batman. So yeah. they were basically just like, well, let's just make a Batman show, only it not be Batman. Um, it would have been even worse as a Batman show because yeah. Batman killing people, which was a problem with Batman versus Superman. Like, Batman killing people, automatically, you've lost me. I'm not watching it anymore. Like, goodbye. Yeah, I'm kind of with that. Batman doesn't kill people. I'm I'm, I'm with that theme. Uh, Zack Snyder I, says that you're, you're a wimp. Well... I feel Zack Snyder if you want, wrong. If you, want, <laughs> yeah. if you want a Batman that kills people, then go do a fucking Shadow movie. Or, yeah. uh, he didn't even do that in Dark Knight, and in, in, um, what was it, The re the Return of the Dark Knight? Well, Is that's that because, right? Dark that's Returns. because, um... Yeah, Dark Knight Return. He didn't even do it in that, did he? That's because Nolan's not a fucking hack that doesn't fuck up everything. Oh, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not talking about the Nolan movies. I'm talking about the, um... The comic book where it's it's old Batman and oh, Superman uh, works no, for the government. He, he kills people, but that's um, but that's like a that's an Elseworlds tale. Yeah, basically. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, you can. And he's like he's practically insane by then, anyway. Right, so. right. So, yeah. uh, I'm I'm on. Yeah. Can I uh, d just a, a quick digression? Um, yeah. Have Have you guys watched the Gotham show? You know, I've seen I have, bits and pieces, and it's on my my to do list, but it, I just never get around to it. It just ended with season five. I have uh, the last two episodes to watch. Season five, they tried to do. I don't know if you recall this from the nineteen nineties. They tried to do uh, the Cataclysm 
Uh, oh, that, that, really. that could go really bad. Cataclysm slash No Man's Land storyline. Um, oh, but they, okay. they, they really, it, the show went off a cliff, and it just, this last season has been really, really bad. But the first season of Gotham was like so-so. It started getting really good in season two. Season three was still pretty good. Season four started to like trend down, uh, but it still was like perfectly fine watching it. Um, overall, it is a really like, interesting show because at, at no point is bruce wayne older than like late teens yeah and, and he actually got to play him he's kind of like a tall gangly looking kid he's not imposing at all right. but they have so many batman villains on there uh and the show i don't know how they could even get away with this in prime time because for a show that doesn't really take itself too seriously it yeah. is unbelievably graphically violent like people would die in horrifically graphic ways that you would watch it and be like how is this not a cable show well you know you know how you know how it works here is um disemboweling with graphic details is fine but don't you dare show a tit on tv oh yeah that's true the uh, the thing that kind of well hang on let me do this real quick the thing that kind of turn me off with Gotham is all the stuff they want to do in Gotham and they're like oh no we want to we want to do all this stuff before Batman shows up and then I'm like now come on a lot of these a lot of these characters were supposed to be as a result of Batman being around right that's alright fine whatever you know I, you don't have to watch everything but go ahead Brad I'm sorry for cutting you off uh Random aside and random comic recommendation that you might not have read is Gotham Central. Oh, that's a great one. I've heard good things. I've heard it's good like forty-eight-ish issues. Uh huh. The first the first season of Gotham actually seemed like they were trying to kind of combine, kind of almost do like a Gotham Central type show. They street they 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 really veered from that from there, but. Uh, that's a great comic book series for those who, it, and you can collect. It's easily collectible. I think that you would have it in trade paperback. So yeah, it is. And if you get Comicsology, you can get it on a sale for like probably forty bucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, though, if you if you look at if you even if you go into like the comic books, though, if you go back to year one, that's as much a Jim Gordon story as it is about Batman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause, well, because you get you've got to build the setting too. Um, Batman Begins did a pretty good job with that. Um, so, I, I'm sorry, I'm trying to agree with you, and 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 I think I ended up trampling on your point. Um, yeah, it, it's even the year you said the year one is about Gordon, and it's about Batman becoming Batman. I liked how they incorporated that into Mask of the Phantasm. Um, yeah, which underrated I, under. That is um, underrated. Maybe the best Batman movie ever made. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm down with that. You know, I actually really want to actually watch that entire series over again. The to me, that's animated series. Oh yeah. To me, uh, that's that's still to me. I would say overall, pound for pound, the best animated series of all time. I'd agree with that. I would um, even rank it like one of the best series of all time. But that's that's. That's I'll 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 buy that. Yeah, absolutely. I would have to I would have to really think about it as best animated series. It would be it would be one of the best, but um, I would have to weigh it with some other shows. But 
as far as it's probably the best superhero animated movie animated series of all time um though brave and the bold which is a little more lighthearted, is also up there as far as my favorite like batman animated series mm-hmm. you know i've not seen all of that but i saw a few episodes it's definitely done in a more um comical fashion probably for a, a younger audience but it was super entertaining it like just rolls in like dc minutia though like buona beast gets like a like a episodes on it and stuff like just the, <laughs> I, I saw that episode yeah just the depths that they go to and like stuff like aquaman aquaman's hilarious on that show oh that is outside of that almost like paved the way for the uh the jason momoa aquaman because in this uh in that version the brave and the bold version of aquaman he's just like I, he's not like a bro but he's definitely like this uh kind of arrogant he's a bit over the top maybe yeah he's over the top but he was so entertaining also i want to yeah. i want to discuss my favorite uh batman and robin offshoot since we're on the subject right now is merman and bubble boy <laughs> i'm not familiar with merman and bubble boy <laughs> yeah it's from spongebob oh okay and um merman well they're like old they used to be like um they used to be like 60s style Batman um, characters, but now they're like geriatrics. And Merman's voiced by, um, I can't think of his name, Ernest Borgnine. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. And um, it's like a little offshoot they do, but they're hilarious. And like Merman's just totally senile. Oh, that kind of makes me feel a little sad. But going back to the Flash real quick before we we move on to the next one, another well, great feature of the Flash is the Rogues. He probably has like the most human bad guys. Mm-hmm. Okay. I and well developed bad guys that could actually probably star in a series like and have. But yeah, so it's my last word on the Flash. Okay. Okay. That's I was I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna sit on this. Um, we were talking about animated series stuff, so I'm going to sit on that. We'll come back to it. But uh, okay, so Matt, what was uh, what was your number two uh, hero? So my list is pretty conventional, uh, uh-huh. all things considered. Uh, but my number two did uh, not surprising. He's probably in the top five, if not in the top three, most recognizable superheroes of all time. That would be your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. 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 Yep, that would yeah. be. He's actually number one on my list. Um, okay. I'll let you. I'll let you talk first, and then I'll. I'll add in like what I love about him. Uh, I can't. I can't even tell you how I first became aware of Spider-Man, but I think it must. I must have been super young. I probably would have been the Spider-Man and his Amazing Friends cartoon show. That's probably. Oh wow. Yeah, when he was like buddies with Iceman and Firestar. I uh, remember that, that. Yeah. Yeah, I remember yeah, watching Stan that. Stan Lee narrating. Yes, I remember that. I remember that cartoon when I was a, a kid. Yeah, I so. saw it. I just resaw it. Like it's been a long time, but they were playing it on like um, ABC Family, like maybe fifteen-ish years ago on Saturday mornings. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I just that's probably like the first time I remember him. But I mean, Spider-Man was even was he's huge now. He's but he's been huge like the entirety of my life. Like 
growing up in the eighties, like he was he was big. I mean, he he quickly became their biggest character because he was such a novel concept. Like when they when they originally started doing his series, didn't yeah. Stan Lee originally get shot down for the idea of Spider Man? Or am I remembering something wrong? Yeah, I think he had some static because he broke a lot of the conventions of comics at the time because a teenage superhero was kind of not something you did. They were usually sidekicks. Yeah. Spider-Man, especially for the time he was created, took a very different... Because let's go back. The What did heroes do? Heroes would fly and be, you know, big... Vince McMahon wet dream style physiques and stuff and Spidey Spidey was not um, and and that that's very different in a good way yeah I'm sorry Matt go ahead no I agree uh, I think per, I have personal preferences I think with my superheroes uh, and one of the things that I always liked about Spider-Man uh, and they they've consistently done a great job in how they've portrayed his character is that he is more of just a regular dude who has superpowers and he uses superpowers in, a, in obviously very heroic ways to help others. But he always had a lot of like regular human being stuff going on. Like mm-hmm. when they presented him as much younger, it was how am I going to like, you know, get good grades in school? How am I going to, uh, provide for my aunt who's widowed uh when he got a little older it's like oh my god i need to like attend college things like that as he's grown the comics it's it's always like how am i gonna pay rent yeah uh his whole relationship with uh mary jane it's like it's he's always presented been presented as someone who it's like he has real human problems like he has to deal with the minutiae of life it's not just his glorious uh 24 7 lifestyle as a superhero mm-hmm. uh and i think that really humanize the character and it makes him more relatable which is something that as like a broader argument we could talk for like an hour or two just about how marvel is really good about that they're really good about humanizing their characters and make i think that's part of why they've been so successful and they have such appeal is because a lot of the characters you can relate to them on a more personal level yeah uh, this is part of the reason some characters a lot of dc characters while i love them um they're not my favorites and there's some dc characters that i don't really care for that much like super superman is probably the most recognizable superhero of all time arguably and i never really liked him that much because well here's like let me i really like the um the the recent one they did that was like really about um and i'm talking like the last couple years before bendis took over they yeah. did a series with um, Thomas A, I think, and it was about like it was like a family book with like Lois and Superman and their son Connor. Okay. And that don't, I really before don't jump too Jonathan, far. Sorry, don't jump too far on Superman yet. Okay, I'm just I'm I'm foreshadowing, but okay. don't jump too far on Superman yet. Okay, but um, I, I've liked him more as an adult. He's kind of he falls into that cap category where I didn't like them as a teenager, and then like as an adult, like I. I kind of understand them better. Yeah, you can appreciate the subtleties, and they're there. I mean, look, there's so many sto- stories out there that they've done quality work with the characters, so they've they've added a lot of complexity 
uh, I'm just kind of speaking like a, as a general fashion. I never really liked him as much because it's he's basically like a god. So it's like you're you're limited at that point with how you can present the character and the kind of weaknesses and f- human frailties that he might have. Whereas someone like Spider-Man was, even though obviously he's the hero of the story, it's unlikely that he's gonna like lose. Let me. Um, he's not. He's gonna save the day. Mm-hmm. There's kind of a. This is going to touch. I knew we were going to get to it sooner or later. Yeah. But um, in there, at least it used to be this way. Um, it used to be that Marvel's focus was on heroes you can identify with, and DC's focus was on heroes you could look up to. So you would you would look up to them and be like, oh man, that's so cool. They do this this great stuff. And you look at the Marvel heroes and you look at them. And you go, man, I understand what that's like. I get it. It just so happens that, you know, it's it's like watching a, a TV show or, or reading a book about regular people, except they also happen to have powers, and so that gets mixed in. Um, and it's, it's kind of what you're looking for. I always, I'll admit, uh, I found the younger Spider-Man stuff to be pretty novel. How is Spider-Man going to save the day and still make it to prom with Mary Jane kind of stuff? Like... That that I was amused by that in a novel way, and that was fun. I, I do, I do kind of have to be the fly in the ointment for a second, though. Um, That's fine. Spider Man, like I enjoyed. I didn't read. I, I got turned off on the Civil War comic line pretty early on, but Spider Man's choices in it where that was interesting and different. And as you guys said, he grows and he progresses, right? Until J- Joe Cusada says, I liked Spider-Man more when he was single and we got one more day. You know, I, I'm, yeah. it was, that was not good, but I have to admit they, they did like 200 and something issues of like good spider quality Spider-Man stories after that. So like, while that story does suck it, like they, they made the most out of their decision with that. It annoys me though because that it wasn't necessary. Of course, it was better because Joe Q's like, "I want you to do this," and now they've done it. He's like, "Okay, now that I'm happy, this is what we're gonna do." So you got a happy editor. You give him what you want. But the thing is, is he he just he wanted to undo this progress that Peter and well, Mary Jane had, which incidentally he could have gotten if he just did what Into the Spider Verse did. Oh, I, just as an aside, that's. As much as I loved Infinity War last year, there's yeah. a, arg- there's a strong argument to be made that uh, Into the Spider-Verse was the best superhero movie of last year. I think there's, I think though that that's a that's a greater problem with comics the last 15 years, and part of why they're plummeting in um, sales is you've got these guys in there instead of progressing the stories, they wanted to play with their toys in the way they wanted to. So yeah, you know with DC, you lose Kyle Rayner and um, so Wally stupid. West is the Flash, and you get Barry Allen and Hal Jordan back to mixed results, and like you got this brief time, and this one's lesser, but like you got that really awesome like two year period where Dick Grayson was Batman. Okay, yeah, that was. And um, I I kind of remember that because that was his second stint being Batman, because his first stint was right after. Um, Bruce took down John Paul Valley. Yeah. So. 
So the, the uh, comics have had a real issue with that. And especially with Spider-Man, it's stupid because they always want to take him back to high school. And if you read the original issues, he was only in high school for like 20 issues. Yeah, yeah. Well, I thought the Sam Raimi Spidey movies were pretty good about doing the the progression thing. Like the first movie was out of high school and moving into college and that sort of stuff my, in, my in a good way, right? The, my biggest problem with those movies, though, is Mary Jane was terrible in those. I would say that's because it wasn't really Mary Jane. It was a mixture of Mary Jane and Gwen Stacy. And then you happen to have a character in the third one named Gwen Stacy, who wasn't really Gwen Stacy. So they're trying, yeah. they're trying to do both. Cause the Marvel comic, Marvel cinematic universe has basically always been set in the ultimate setting. But I think, I think as far as like, as far as relatable heroes, there's only, for me, there's only like, Wally West is in that stratosphere, and um, the thing kind of gets into that stratosphere of being like the most relatable characters mm-hmm. in comics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, um, I get that. Well, uh, Brad, did you have anything else you wanted to add to add about your number one pick? Um, great Rogues Gallery. I do have a question. And this is this is preference. You tell me your preference. Biological or technological web shooters? Technological, because that's part of that's part of his underrated scientific genius that actually Tony Stark had to point out to him. Like the web like him actually creating the webs like is scientific like shows how smart he is that he came up with that on his own. Yeah, I fully agree with that. It it was it they kinda downplayed it, but it's been established in the Marvel universe that he is a genius in his own right. Mm-hmm. There was a, this is like, a, sorry to digress on this, but in the eighties, that immediately made me think of this. There was an eighties. Um, remember that uh, series? What if? Yeah. Yeah. In Marvel where they would. So for those who don't remember this or don't aren't aware of this, like I, I think they've done several series, but certainly in the eighties, they did a series called what if, and they were a single issue. Um, stories where it would basically take kind of like a pivotal moment or a special uh, event or something that happened in the Marvel Universe. Yeah, and they kind of flipped it where it's like, well, what if this thing that happened didn't happen? Or what if things happened differently? Yeah. Uh, And it would lead to what you kind of say is like an Elseworlds story, um, just kind of pondering it. And it led to really some interesting choices. Uh, And one of the ones that they did I remember because I have this issue and it was what if uh, back in the 80s what if Spider-Man was never able to actually get rid of uh, the Venom costume when it was infecting oh. him okay uh, and it basically the the, the, the storyline was that the Venom costume like it, it it used so much of his energy that it aged him like 40 50 years to, to by the time it was done with him uh, he became he, he he basically was an old man, uh, yeah. and then Venom in the in the story of the issue, Venom then started infecting. It started hopping to other superheroes mm-hmm. and using them. Like it infected like Hulk and infected I think like Thor, or whatever. And then uh, Spider Man basically 
Peter Parker, he created a device to like kill him. And he basically was so old and frail that it killed him. That's like the point of the storyline. But right. they, in that storyline, they were like, uh, I think, I think Tony Stark or maybe it was Reed Richards, like uh, kind of reviewed the, the work that he was doing. And he's like, this is like genius work. Like he, he solved how to destroy venom and everything like within days. Right. When it would have, it would have taken us like longer than that. So it kind of, I, I, I really love those sort of things that had hyped up. No, he can, go toe-to-toe with like Tony Stark with Reed Richards some of the biggest brains in the in the Marvel universe right it's kind of understated I think nowadays because they're they're more about him actually just doing the superhero stuff but yeah I'm, I'm they, gonna be honest with you I like Tony Stark I get it and Spider-Man is like he's really smart too but he doesn't have the resources and then Reed Richards just pisses me off oh so Reed but Richards I, is supposed to though that goes into this whole other thing, so we'll we'll we'll, we'll save that for later. It it needs to be stated though because we're talking about Spider Man, but also from his supporting cast, probably like one of the greatest characters ever created, J Jonah Jameson. Oh yeah, <laughs> and probably and probably the best um, of the real movies. Probably the best like gets the character to a T is from the Sam Raimi movies. Oh yeah, the guy. Because oh, J.K. Simmons, yeah, J.K. Simmons was perfect. Yeah, tremendous actor, J.K. Simmons. And, Oscar, and the best part, Oscar winner, yeah. The best part is um, when he corrects someone to what libel and slander yes. are. I was thinking and, that exact thing. Yeah, the character to a T, like that is yeah. J. Jonah Jameson in like five words. He's sitting there and he goes, put that on the front page. Here's going to be front Spider-Man is a menace. And he goes, sir, that's slander. And he goes, and he goes, no, it's not libel. It's when it's it, slanders, when it's spoken, it's libel when it's in print. And then he just puts the cigar in his mouth and kind of grins. It's like, God, God, he figured it out. I, f- I figured yeah. that JK Simmons had to do like a boatload of research. He did a boatload of research to get this right. Yep. So, all right. I am going to push into my number two, and I told you guys we were going to do this, um, and I am going to say, you'll notice, you may notice this as we go along, but there's a particular way I refer to the characters, but my number two character is Clark Kent, Superman. Oh. Um, here's here's why. The first thing I'm going to do is the stories that you there's a difference in Superman stories. Okay, there are stories where it's about Superman, and I feel like they're missing part of the point. And then there are stories where it's really about Clark. He just happens to be wearing the costume at the time, because for Clark, Superman is the mask. For Batman, Bruce is the mask, but Superman is really Clark Kent, you know, in tights with powers. And so you have these stories of what Clark does versus what he could do. The whole injustice, uh, you know, timeline is based off of what if Superman lost control, which they also did with the justice Lords in the animated series. And so you have this idea. And the reason that they have to do these in these, what if settings is because Clark would never do those things. Clark just Clark wouldn't. And you get this, this idea of, you know, Clark is struggling with, you know, what am, what am I going to do? What is the right thing for me to do? 
as opposed to, you know, what could I do? Because there's lots of things he could do, but there are only things that, you know, he focuses on what he will do. Because Clark, the thing that that Clark and Bat Batman share was in Kingdom Come. It said basically they don't want to see people die. Batman doesn't want to see people die because young Bruce saw his parents die and he doesn't want that to happen to other people. Superman doesn't want to pe- see people die. So he's trying to protect them. Then what you have is this symbol for the DC universe. Even if Superman's not the leader of the Justice League, he's still the symbol that the DC universe rallies around, right? He's he's one of the big guns. There's no question, but you know, here comes this threat and here comes Superman and everyone's like Superman's here, we can do this. Even if Superman gets chump shotted straight out of the gate to, you know, basically wharf him, it's still like he's still going to get up and he's going to go again and everybody else is going to rally behind that. He's the the symbol. He's the guy you look up to. And that's – I appreciate the fact that there are things that he won't do and there are things that, that, that Clark says are not an option and that he's always going to keep going. And then you can also – when he realizes, hey, I can cut um, the, the series finale of the DC – or of the, the Justice League animated series – had his world of cardboard speech to Darkseid, which was just amazing. But that's that's the thing about Superman is he's all this stuff because he's just trying to help. He's just trying to make things better. And one of the biggest kicks people get out of it is like, well, what if Superman wasn't Superman? What if what if he wasn't? That's when you if you yeah. if you're trying to do those stories like you shouldn't be writing Superman. No, you shouldn't. And you mentioned the stories earlier about um, you know the progression of the characters and stuff. Over the over time, we had Superman. He he got married. That issue kept getting pushed back because they wanted to tie it in with um, the wedding happening on Lois and Clark: The New Adventures of Superman. And the screenwriters kept jacking the comic writers around and be like. Uh, yeah, we'll do it next season. Which is why the whole Death of Superman thing ever happened. is because they needed to, to buy time for it. But Superman gets married. Now, it's it's Superman, it's Clark and Lois and, and Jonathan. I have, um, Brad and I talked about it off air at some point, but I have one of the comics where they, the Clarks go on a vacation and you know they're they're going around and they're they're seeing things of of importance. Like Clark is wanting to show Jonathan these things of importance and why they matter. So they go to like the Vietnam Memorial in D.C. and they go to Niagara Falls and they go and do all this stuff. And so you get this progression, and it's like, and he's trying to be a good dad to his son and all that kind of stuff. It's Superman. And I feel like there are a lot of people like, ah, oh, Superman's boring. It's like that's that you're thinking of as Superman. The problem is, is he's been he's been beset by bad writing. For he a has. Long time. Well, that's what everyone wants to do. Everyone wants to write for the big guy, right? And even when they don't get him, they don't understand. Him. And especially like the new Fifty Two was just like straight up character assassination. Like they they spent most of Rebirth like for the first two years doing an apology tour on that. Mm-hmm. And Zack Snyder, Zack Snyder should have never been anywhere near Superman. He doesn't understand. No. Zack Snyder Man doesn't of, understand Man of Steel Batman. Was terrible. He doesn't understand. Even even if General Zod had escaped the Phantom Zone, Superman still would not have killed him. That's just not who Superman is. 
That's no, no way of, it goes. Man of Steel. Man of Steel is a terrible movie on a lot of levels, right. and I can't believe they kept using him for as long as he did. Right. And I'm so startled that the second they got him out of the DC uh, movie universe, that the movies started doing better. Right. Shock. <laughs> I didn't. Um, I didn't hate Man of Steel. It was a I bad was... Superman movie, though. Yeah, it, it was. It was kind of needlessly like dark yeah why are you taking a superman movie and making it dark this is superman he's a symbol of hope and you're making it dark what yeah it was odd yeah yeah it was a bad choice yeah i don't you know he's he's defined you know superman had wears bright colors and you know he's always out front He's always there to to help, and yet, you know, that's what we got. Man of Steel may be better than Superman Returns, though. Well, nothing happened in that movie. Yeah, except for Superman being a creeper. So, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, so that's... So, Shad, <sighs> um, since I think your next one is going to tie into your... Your second one. Why don't we do yours next? Oh, you want to do mine next? Okay. Yes. All right. Give me a second. Let me stretch. Oh, let me get ready for this. Hang on, just a second. Let me let me see if I've I've got a sound effect for this one too. So let me uh, let me get that for you. Let's see. And I'm gonna pull it up, and then I'm gonna play it for you, because some people think that the two characters are the same, and they're not. So here I'm gonna play. Here we go. That's my guy right there. Billy Batson, uh, a.k.a. Shazam, a.k.a. the original Captain Marvel. Um, What do people confuse it with? The other Captain Marvel. Oh, well, yeah. (laughs) Yep. No, I, I, I just about got into it with someone who... And they were, because I didn't even start this. We're just kind of sitting around hanging out. And so I'm like, I'm looking forward to Captain Marvel. I'm like, oh, that's cool. I'm looking forward to Shazam coming out. And they're like, you know, people say that that's the original Captain Marvel, but they're full of crap. And I'm like, no, no, that's the original Captain Marvel. Like, you shut up. And I'm like, oh, you're defensive quick, ain't you? It's the original. Yeah. Look, here's here, a few things. I'll admit some stuff about Billy Batson. Let's be honest. It's kind of the ultimate wish fulfillment. You say the magic word and you turn in, turn from you into the superhero, right? And that's cool. And it happens to Billy. And depending on what you're reading, that can be anywhere from age five to age fifteen. Uh, if you go into Kingdom Come, you know, age thirty something. But it's still, you, you still get the same kind of thing. Another thing that, and and. The, the Captain Marvel Shazam stuff has always had a strong message of family behind it, which I really enjoy. Um, yeah, I was going to say, if, if someone's listening to this and they haven't read um, any Captain Marvel, I would highly recommend the Jeff Smith Shazam and the Monster Society from the mid-2000s. It's like a four-issue kind of prestige one, and I think it really encapsulates what Captain Marvel should feel like. Alex Ross actually wrote uh, an intro for it, and he said the thing that um, the Monster Society of Evil had for it that was correct was charm. And that that's absolutely true. 
There's another one that's really good that is called um, Superman Shazam First Thunder. I'm holding a copy of it in my hand right now, but since this is an audio format, that doesn't help. Was that an Infinite Crisis, um, like, prelude? Infinite, no. This, this, it doesn't exactly fit in with the other stuff. Infinite okay. Crisis. The, the good captain or or Billy see I refer to Billy and Clark by their names because that's really who the character is um, at its heart Billy's tie into Infinite Crisis was the Day of Vengeance um, oh, that's right because Day of Vengeance was it didn't matter how bad the odds were he was going to go out and try and stop so you got to see Captain Marvel go toe to toe with the Spectre which was awesome see- um, for me, I like I like Shazam, but I kind of I kind of like the Marvel family as a whole, not necessarily just Billy. I also like Freddie and Mary. Yeah, a lot. Well, and um, they've also like Superman. They've spent the last fifteen years really trying to take everything about them that makes them charming out of the characters. They here's there's this I don't I can't remember when this was published. But there was a storyline, I guess it would be about 20 years ago, where Superman was in deep space. I think it was during the Superman Wanted arc. Like, they were blaming Superman for the destruction of a planet or something, and he was a fugitive and all this kind of stuff. In that time, Neron shows up. Neron, the, the, the representative of the, the DC Universe he's just pretty devil, much right? the devil. Yeah, yeah he, he's like an analog for Satan, basically. Pretty much. And he shows up, and he says... He's 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 doing Neuron things basically, and he says, "I want the you have to in order for me to to undo all this. I want the spirit the spirit of the purest or the the soul of the purest superhero." And everyone's like, "Superman's not here. We don't know where he is." And he goes, "I'm not talking about Superman." And they'll sit there for a second, and Captain Marvel walks to the front. And he says, "If you're going to do this," and he dictates the terms of the deal. And if I remember correctly, Neron tries to go through with it, but he can't for two reasons. One, Billy's soul is too pure for him to take it. And then two, he still has to hold up his end. So he outsmarts the devil with the wisdom of Solomon, gets him to undo all the havoc he caused. And he doesn't break the agreement. It's because Neron can't, can't act on it. That sounds like is that is that Underworld Unleashed you're talking about? It might be. I actually remember that. Yeah. And I actually thought that was extraordinarily clever. I did like that a lot. It did. Yeah. It added like a characterization that was very like on brand for uh, Captain Marvel, but mm-hmm. I liked it a lot. Yeah. Now yeah. the new Fifty Two version, mm-hmm. um, which is just straight up Shazam, which fine, whatever, right? You know, it's we don't want to we don't want to confuse our branding. All right, fine. Um, <clears throat> I. I didn't like the the comic where they relaunched him, but that comic served as the basis for the movie. I adore the movie. That movie has already made it's it's one of my favorite movies now. First of all, they get like they get the heart of it right. It's the growth of the character. Billy is acting like a fifteen year old, even when he's he's. You know, in his hero form, they have the mix of humor and seriousness right, and you have the family message done well, and it took the source material and it improved on it. Um, you know, he's 
you have this guy who does, you know, he always steps up and he's always doing this. And there's this wonderful family emphasis that's part of it. And then even beyond that, just on the base level, he has a really cool power set because it's right in his name. You know, Wisdom of Solomon, Strength of Hercules, Stamina of Atlas, Power of Zeus, um, Ah, it's Apollo. No, it's in uh, the Endurance of Achilles and the Speed of Mercury. Apollo came in during the um, Trials of Shazam, which was after Infinite Crisis, but that's a whole different thing. It, it that's my guy. You know, this is this is someone who, like the Wizard Shazam, had to tell Billy, "You can't be the captain all the time. You have to have your own life." And I probably the the thing, one of the things I'm most proud of in my comic collection, I have two copies. I have a copy to read, and then I have a first-run edition of the oversized Alex Ross comics stories that he did, and it's Shazam, the I think it's The Power of Hope. And there's a story in it about there's a problem that he cannot solve as Captain Marvel. He has to be Billy Batson to solve it. And then, you know, he was awesome in Kingdom Come. He, he's just my guy. It upsets me, though, that um, it really upsets me that DC has not made the complete run of the Fawcett issues available and all we get are, like, just snippets of it. I want the whole thing. I have a compiled um, copy of a bunch of them. Uh, I, can't, I can't remember what it what the title on it is, but it's it's a compiled issue of a whole bunch of the old stuff. Uh, but they haven't they haven't done it complete, though. I want no, complete. They, that's they haven't done it. Com- Do you want to hear the heartbreaking story? Um, my father-in-law, God rest him. Um, he didn't tell me this. My wife and I dated for a number of years, and then he didn't tell me this until a few years after we got married. Fawcett City Comics used to, or Fawcett Comics used to be printed in Louisville, where he lived. He had a velvet cover copy of the first appearance of Captain Marvel that his dad, whenever the kids got old enough, said, y'all are too old for this and threw it in the burn barrel. Wow. That's, that's like what? A hundred thousand dollars easy. And he, he's, he's aware of it, but at the time, you know, there's no idea. nothing, you know, nothing to be done about it, but okay. So that's my number one. That's my guy. I've been, you know, my joke is I say to people, I've been trying to find the magic word my whole life and nothing's worked. I've tried chocolate egg cream and that didn't work either, which is a Black Adam reference. All right, Matt or uh, Brad, we kind of already got your number one. Yep. So, Matt, who is your number one hero pick? So this is uh, not really a, a shocking choice. Um, it's a Many people would probably consider it a safe choice, but... For me, he's always been my number one superhero, and that's uh, the goddamn Batman. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I have to ask you. Yeah. I have to ask you because um, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of approach this with my relationship with Batman and see if you have a similar relationship with Batman. Yeah. I struggled with Batman for a really long time, and I still do to a degree, in that. TV has executed him a lot better as a character than the comics have a lot of the time. Do you have that struggle with him? Like, 
I think what I struggle with with Batman is I want the animated series in comic book form for a really long run, and you really can't find that. I think that's a fair criticism, just because I think there have been really, really good uh, media. I'm just going to describe it as media, like TV, movies, even video games like the Arkham Asylum video games like uh, i think they've done a good job of actually characterizing bruce versus just batman okay uh then the comics have sometimes i think the comics can be hit or miss the problem is that batman is so huge of a character that i i mean there's literally hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of thousands of different stories that are out there yeah uh with batman so he i mean he and that's I think this is like the 80th year anniversary of Batman. So, I mean, you're talking about, about 80. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, it's like 80 years of Batman. So yeah. there's been so many stories over the, over time that it, it does kind of, it gets murky. And I think obviously some authors are better than others. Some authors yeah. want to focus upon uh, the kind of human side of the character, i.e. Bruce. Some characters are only interested in, in Batman as kind of like a an icon uh but i do think that i, I again because i've just I've, i said earlier in the podcast that batman the animated series is to me the best animated series of all time they did a fantastic job yeah and you know what trying... was great about mm-hmm. the animated series is that they characterized bruce so strongly that they were able to take him into the future where he was no longer batman mm-hmm. and make him work in a different setting with batman beyond yeah I Matt, I will agree with for me, the animated series renditions of Batman and the Joker, you know, oh yeah, those are the definitive versions. And they even went through they created Harley Quinn, and we'll, we could we could spend forever on what that has kind of expanded into, but they redefined Mr. Freeze into an amazing character. Yeah. Right, like that's for me. That's my definitive Batman. If someone's like, "Why do you like Batman?" I'd just be like, "Watch the animated series; you'll get it." Yeah. I I also want to say I think the best episode of Batman the animated series is Almost Got Him. Oh, I have the card game based on that episode. <laughs> yeah, it's great. That's a great one. Yeah. Now, Matt, and I think uh, Joker's Christmas is also um, a good one. That is good. <laughs> that's a yeah. good one. Yeah. So, Matt what um what comic runs or what stories do you think are are some that really uh really stick for you with batman uh that's tough to say they had a ton of really interesting ones in the 90s mm-hmm. and i kind of i kind of go back to the 90s just because that's when i was kind of like really young and getting into comic books so that that entire period kind of sticks out in my mind um mm-hmm. They did that was when like they did the whole like Nightfall uh, storyline. They did a bunch of stuff like in the late nineties, early two thousands. Like that was kind of when like I mentioned the uh, like the Cataclysm No Man's Land storyline. They did that back then. Well, um, probably my favorite comic book of all time uh, is a Batman one, and it's super dark. I I read this in college, so I was older and I could appreciate it. But the actual batman arkham asylum that the, oh. the, the video games were ultimately uh yeah. based on 
Yeah, that one's trippy. Yeah. Uh, that's probably my favorite of all time. It was painted by... Uh, Dave McKeon? Um, I don't remember. That sounds right, but don't hold me to it. Uh, yeah, Dave McKeon, who okay. I did uh, did some work uh, with Neil Gaiman on Sandman. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was written by Grant Morrison, who is a tremendous uh, comic book writer in his own mm-hmm. right. Uh, done a lot of really interesting stuff, Grant Morrison, for those who uh, who want to actually follow his work if they're not familiar with him. Uh, it's to me like that was obviously a more darker, um, mature version of Batman. Sure. Uh, but just I've I've always kind of been like enamorated with the character. I probably I think I probably became fascinated to be truthful in the light in the late nineties with the whole Tim Burton uh Batman, Batman Returns. Sure. Kinda yeah. And then and when <laughs> what's obviously the I know you stopped after Batman. Once the animated Returns. series came out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh those other two don't exist until uh, obviously the Nolan movies. But right. uh yeah, in, in early nineties the Batman animated series was just again, I love that series so much. I remember like I was still probably I haven't seen those episodes yeah, gosh, in, in so many years. But I remember like I was probably at least still I, into my like college years. Mm-hmm. This is after the show went off the air, but into my college years I had all of them like on videotape. And not just like I bought the videotapes. I mean, I recorded them off TV videotape. Mm-hmm. And every now and again, I would just like throw in an episode, watch an episode or two. Yeah. And just be like fascinated. Like I, like I hadn't watched them already like 10 times before. Yeah. So he's always been kind of like my favorite. But I guess uh, to kind of piggyback on what I was saying before, like with Spider-Man, where I like that he, that Marvel has humanized the character. Um even though DC, I feel like the, the the larger complaint about DC characters, which I think is valid, is that they're more like icons or they're more symbols of things yeah. than they are like humanized characters. But I, the thing that I like best about Batman is that he ostensibly is just an ordinary dude who has trained himself to be in peak physical shape to be the best fighter, uh, hand-to-hand combatant in the world uh he has his own like brilliance in terms of his uh detective skills and also technology so he can compete with you know walking gods like superman uh i I just i've always like loved the character they've kind of like played around uh in your sense with with characters i think actually grant morrison who obviously has written quite a few batman stories over time uh he said something in like the last few years. Uh, uh, I think he did it as a joke, but I actually think it, I find the concept kind of fascinating where he was basically kind of playing around, but he's like, well, Batman has superpowers. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, what's Batman's superpower? He's like, his superpower is that he's Batman. He's the goddamn <laughs> Batman. Uh, which is kind of like flippant, but it also makes sense because it's like he's just kind of like, he's supposed to represent kind of like peak humanity and someone who's pure like whatever however you want to describe it like revenge his just determination his drive has kind of single-mindedly made him this almost like force of nature yeah so and i think that was kind of what grant morrison was saying he's kind of saying it flippantly but his his concept was that batman's superpower is that he doesn't 
Like you can't really stop him. You can't beat him. Like he will always come back and try and figure out a way to defeat his enemies because that's like his purpose. He's he's out there to fight crime. He's out there to stop crime to kind of prevent what happened to his parents from happening to anyone else. Uh, I don't know. I just had always been a huge fan of the character. Love the character. Like anything Batman related, I will. I'll be there. I'll watch a TV show. I'll watch a movie animated series video game i'm down for it okay i you know it's interesting to me batman has kind of i don't want to say defined but he's kind of colored the whole array of of stuff that happens in the dc universe because well i mean the all of what they call the dc trinity has you know superman kind of mm-hmm. sets a standard for heroes wonder woman sets a standard for women in the in the setting and then batman has kind of set the standard for Everybody who's not, you know, on a on a high power level, you know, he's he's at his core. Batman would be a street level hero, but like you said, with his drive, he he is a part of other things and part of everything else. So those three have really influenced DC as a whole, because so much stuff is regarded in. How are how do we see these characters in relation to those three? And Batman has played a defining role because he's Batman. I want to add um, the definitive Batman artist will forever be Neil Adams. Oh gosh. Now I'm trying to pick him out from, uh, he's the, the 1970s like Batman. Is that the, uh, Oh God. That's kind of when they, they kind of modernized him a bit. Uh, he did it with uh, Denny O'Neill, but like, look up, um, just look up Neil Adams Batman, and you'll. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I was just trying to think of a to think of a storyline. Storyline. I would, uh, I'm a co-sign on that. I, I think I don't know what episode it was, but I feel like I have mentioned that the Denny O'Neill Neil Adams run on Batman is some of the best. Yeah, we've talked about. Yeah, we've talked about Denny O'Neill. I consider me, the 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 Batman writer myself. Yeah. Uh, I would I would probably say I mean obviously I'm biased but I would say that's some of the best comic book stories and artwork of all time. Yeah, it's really good. It's really. I think that, I think uh, Neil Adams drew the Laughing Fish. Oh, <laughs> maybe. Wow, because they're funny and funny and oh so delish. Yes. Okay, the the other thing is something else I just and this is just about Batman stuff in general, but something that I love that they have done is um, that the I'm going back to the animated series. One of my, my favorite Batman things though was Beware the Grey Ghost. Oh, from yeah, that, yeah, that's a good yeah, one. Where they they brought back Adam West. And you know I, I'm you know retired wrestler and big manly man, and I get a little eye sweat watching that one. You know, I'm glad you actually mentioned that because I completely had like a, a I forgot about the 1960s Batman series, and I remember as a kid I saw that series in like syndication even before Batman the Animated Series. Yep, and I I loved it. Yep, it's it's obviously now in today's day and age it's so campy yeah, but yeah it was a tremendous amount of fun and as a kid like that 
obviously it's, it's like wacky villains and it has like the, you know the whole like uh the fight scenes with the wild sound effects and visual effects like i loved it and that that's again part of the reason why i became such a big batman fan it was fun and it has a great appearance on the simpsons <laughs> yes yeah. scoutmaster who the hell's robin <laughs> And I actually, I got to meet uh, Adam West at, the, I think, the last convention he was at before he passed away. I didn't get a picture and autograph with him. I met him in passing. But uh, oddly enough, his booth was set up next to Burt Ward's. So Shocker. Well, no, like the, with the feud those two had going for a while. Oh. So, like, the, I mean, they had a, they had a serious falling out. So, so I had two I had two honorable mentions on my list, and I'm going to bring them up now because they are related to Batman. But two of my honorable mentions uh, were Tim Drake and Dick Grayson. Uh, we we Chad and I have talked about this on a previous podcast that was unrelated to this, but a lot of like Batman wouldn't necessarily make my list, but a lot of his side characters would, like especially. Um, and to go back to the animated series, like Alfred, I find to be a fascinating <laughs> character. Yeah. Um, but he wouldn't make my honorable mention. Just that he is a butler, but if you get into his background, he is not a human being you want to fuck around with. Al- Alfred faced face down Superman with a plain vanilla shotgun in his hands, and Superman yeah. Superman backed down. And. Um, yeah, so Dick Grayson, Tim Drake, they're both great characters. They bring, you know, levity to the world. Um, they kind of both find their own way in the world. They've screwed up Tim Drake since um, they did the new 52 and haven't fixed him yet. But yeah, they'd be two of my honorable mentions. Um, so she would be an honorable mention and is kind of related to Batman because of their ongoing pissing match across multiple mediums. But I don't know if she's a hero or a villain or an in-between, but Amanda Waller. <laughs> oh my God. That's such a great. <laughs> but I don't know if you would classify. Cause I think, I think, I think her status in the DCU kind of depends on, your opinion of her you know your outlook on life and opinion like she's kind of a tweener it depends on who she's pointed at yeah all right well listen we've been at this for a little while so i think with our top three out of the way we're going to call it here but tune in next time and we're going to talk us about uh some honorable mentions and some villains too so uh this is shad here with matt and brad We've been in three corners. We've been in three panels. You're in the fourth panel. Let us know what you think. Hit us up on social media, and we'll talk to you guys next time.